Live and local, this is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. It's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves. Here's your host, the Blonde Bomber, Jordy Holtberg. And a great good afternoon and welcome on this Monday, June 20th, the year 2022. I hope each and every one of you dads out there had an absolutely glorious Father's Day. I hope you enjoyed it with your family. And uh, I hope you were showered with love and uh, gifts and affection and, and all the things that you deserve. We, we, we're, none of us are perfect, but I think the majority of us dads do the very best we can to um, show our love, to take care of our families. And so I hope you had a wonderful day. It was a wonderful day for Matt's, Matt Fitzpatrick um, at the U.S. Open outside of Boston at the Country Club with uh, a shot for the ages uh, on the 72nd and final hole in the bunker. Uh, a miraculous shot that got him up and down in two to win by one over Will Zalatoris, who who had a birdie putt, and he missed it by a half an inch. Uh, that would have sent it into um, sudden death. Uh, Scotty Scheffler was also there, tied for second. And um, Scotty Scheffler, uh, the number one ranked player in the world, uh, just kind of always is in the money. Always in the money. And his finish, one stroke shy of a playoff with Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, but there was a nice consolation prize waiting for him at the country club for his effort coming up one stroke shy of the national champion. The 25-year-old banked $1.56 million in a shared second-place prize with Zalatoris. And in doing so, Scheffler set the all-time record for the most money earned in a single season on the PGA Tour, totaling nearly $13 million. Well, to be exact, $12,896,849. He tops the list, but he still has seven weeks remaining on the PGA regular season tour calendar to expand his money advantage he surpassed the previous record holder jordan spieth by nearly 800 a little over eight hundred thousand dollars. wow the other players who have earned more than 10 million in a single season vj singh in 2004 and tiger woods in 2005 and in 2007 so um sometimes second place ain't so bad uh the college world series going on as we speak, an, uh, an elimination game between the Auburn Tigers and the Stanford Cardinal. And uh, right now, uh, end of the third, Stanford with a two-zip lead over Auburn. So SEC trying to stay alive and, and keep, their, uh, keep their foursome intact. So we'll update you with that throughout the course of the day. Um, not much really going on out there, is there? We've got the NBA draft coming up on Thursday and the Pels at number eight. Will they stay pat? Will they move up? Will they move back? Uh, who knows? Who really does know? Your guess is as good as mine, but it's an opportunity to get a really, really good 
player who can come in and contribute uh, right away. And you saw uh, with the Golden State Warriors and their um, their list of players that that play on both ends of the court. Uh, and, you know, the Pels have some offensive talent, but are they there for for defensive purposes? Well, we, we shall see. That's they've got to get better on that to say the uh, the very, very least. Um, another sad situation um, in in the world of sport uh, or in the world period um, this morning in Harlem, believe it or not, a uh, Houston Baptist basketball player was shot and killed. Darius Lee, a senior at HBU in Texas, grew up in Harlem, attended St. Raymond High School for boys in the Bronx, was home for summer break, um, got shot and killed. Six other males and two other females were were injured in just a a gun shooting. So um, all the best. Uh, our prayers and thoughts to to his family. So young, so so innocent, so so tragic. Um, Major League Baseball today, one afternooner. Uh, the New York Mets lead Miami four zip. Um, today and MLB standings. Um, I tell you what, Yankees are phew, Yankees on a roll, 74% winning baseball, uh, having played 63 games. I mean, you are who you are, and they've opened up an 11 game lead over the Toronto Blue Jays, 74% winning percentage as compared to. In the AL Central, the Twins, uh, with a one-game lead over the Guardians, they're playing 559 winning baseball. The Astros with a nine-and-a-half game lead over the Angels, and the Astros are 41 up, 25 down, 62% winning baseball. So the Yankees, by far, um, just incredible, incredible. In the National League, in the East, the Mets with a five-and-a-half game lead over the Braves. The Mets are at 44 and 24 65% winning baseball deadlocked in the NL central between the Brewers and my Cardinals, both at 38 and 30, 56% winning baseball. And uh, in a horse race in the West, the Dodgers 62% winning baseball with a half game lead over the San Diego Padres, three games better than the San Francisco giants. I must give full disclosure today. Um, there is nothing worse in my lifetime than a, summertime head cold and I have got it. I don't know how, but it, it feels like somebody could just cut off my head and put, throw it to the side. I would be so much better. Can hardly breathe. My eyes are watering. So I apologize uh, early on, but sometimes, you know, you, sometimes you got to play hurt and that's what we're doing today. And the show must go on and on. We, We'll go. We'll we'll talk some LSU football today with Glenn West. And um, if there is one position where you really don't have to worry about something with the LSU Tigers, that's the wide receiver position. Deep, talented, um, and if if the one of the best wide receivers in the country is fully invested in and is healthy and good to go, Kayshawn Boutte. Um, then this, this is going to be a tough, tough position to defer to because Butte, 
Malik Neighbors, Jack Besh, Jerry Jenkins, Brian Thomas, Kyron Lacey, Chris Hilton, Landon Ibieta, just to name a few. Uh, it, it is quite the list to say the very, very least. So we'll talk with Glenn West about that. This th- Thursday opens another edition of the Manning Passing Academy, where Archie spearheaded with Peyton, Eli, and their lesser known brother Cooper, but he's on the commercials now, so he's doing pretty good. Um, and apparently this this year's group is going to be bigger and better than ever. It's the largest group of campers that will descend upon Nichols State University in the history of the Manning Passing Academy. It's the 26th edition. It's a four-day passing camp, which begins Thursday. 1,350 campers. 1,350. And uh, some of the top quarterbacks in the country. A record 45 were invited. Um, The list includes seven projected first-round picks in the 23 NFL draft including the Heisman Trophy winner, Bryce Young. Both quarterbacks from last year's college football national championship game, Young from Alabama, Stetson Bennett from Georgia, and potential starting quarterbacks at Nichols, Cohen Granier, Tulane, Michael Pratt, and at LSU, Miles Brennan. Now, I don't know who made the decision to just send Brennan or if that sends a signal to you and yours. Your guess is as good as mine. But of the 14 SEC schools, you've got 12 potential starting quarterbacks coming besides um, Bennett and Brennan and Levis and Richardson and Young. Um, Luke Altmeyer from Ole Miss, Hendon Hooker of Tennessee, K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas, Max Johnson at A&M, Spencer Rattler at South Carolina, Will Rogers at Mississippi State, and Mike Wright at Vanderbilt. So uh, you got a good group here. And the highlight of the camp is the Friday night lights skills competition. So if you've got nothing going on on a Friday night and you want to head down to Thibodeau to John L. Guidry Stadium, 830 at night, it's the uh, it's the quarterback competition. They compete in a series of drills to gauge their accuracy, their arm strength and their route throwing versatility. It's open to the public. Admission is 15 bucks. When this you go back 26 years, um, Jerry DiNardo was at LSU. He was the head coach. So it's gone back quite some ways. Um, And, of course, all eyes will be on the senior-to-be at Isidore Newman, Arch Manning, considered one of the top prospects in the nation, uh, and we'll see. So uh, lots of quarterbacks. I found it interesting that Miles Brennan was the only LSU Tiger um, set to go. No quarterback from UL uh, in this year's class. Levi Lewis went before. But uh, not this year. So says a little bit about it. Um, Only the best of the best get to go. So if this is an indicator, then maybe Miles Brennan is your starting quarterback. As of now, as of now, we shall see. That's what makes it so intriguing and so fascinating. We're brought to you each and every Monday by... ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. You know, there are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, well, you know, you just you just can't shop right at all. Now, Monday, uh, this, this is Monday. Coming up in two days, this Wednesday is a big day. It's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation to party with us 
as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Why don't you join all of us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday? There'll be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, including station swag, Astros tickets, a 50-inch TV donated by AVI, car washes from the wash donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, a round of golf with cart at Cane Row Golf Course, and a $150 gift card to Mosley and Hollard's Men's Clothing and much more. In addition, Crunch Town with the Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday from 4 to 9 o'clock for the game's 10th birthday bash. All right, we'll take our first time out of the day. We'll come back with much, much more as we get rolling on a Monday edition. Bad head cold and all, but the show must go on. So hang in there with us. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show. We are on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. They say shooters shoot. He's a man who shoots from the hip and a man who's hip when he shoots. And no one shoots more from the hip when it comes to sports talk than the Blonde Bomber. Back to more of the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hi, welcome back on this uh, Monday edition, 18 minutes after the hour. Um, the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Rescue Fest is uh, Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. Uh, There's going to be plenty of food, games, even a raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, go to Eventbrite or by visiting rescuegroup.org. Org. Um, Alex Myers will join us in hour number two. We'll talk about the U.S. Open. And apparently there's a I didn't get to see much of uh, the, the television coverage because of Father's Day and all the activities going on. But apparently uh, it came under the NBC's coverage of the U.S. Open came under uh, some severe uh, scrutiny and criticism. So uh, we'll ask Alex Myers about that. And, uh, you know, the game of golf is in is in really good hands because you keep coming up with young players that keep on uh, hitting the ball far, hitting it accurate. And, you know, it's just there is no one clear-cut super, superstar, uh, but there's a whole lot of really good ones. So I guess I'll ask Alex, is it better to have that one guy that dominates like Tiger did, or is it good to have a multitude? You never know which week um, who's who's going to win. Um, so, you know, I, I think a lot of people enjoy dynasties. I think you either love them or you hate them. Uh, you know, we here hate Alabama, but around the country, maybe, maybe not. So I think, I think Alabama's respected. The Yankees fall into that category as well. Um, Duke at one point in time in basketball. So there's a lot of those, but individually, is it better to have, the one superstar that dominates, or is it not? I, I would think you would say in tennis, it's probably a good thing because, you know, you have Federer, you have Nadal, you have Djokovic. You don't have, you know, back in the day, you had uh, Connors and McEnroe and 
uh, people like that. And, and tennis ratings were up high. Uh, now you don't even know half the players that are playing. It's uh, it, it's crazy. Um, but so we'll see. Golf seems to me to be in pretty good shape, even if the, the television coverage uh, isn't wasn't the greatest. But but we shall see. Of course, the Open Championship across the pond will be next and uh, Tiger will play in that. And that always always moves the needle. So Alex Myers will join us in hour number two, as will my buddy Blake Rafino. We'll talk all things um, uh, LSU um, and uh, see how things are going in Tigertown. A very um, quiet right now. Um, players are basically doing their own work. Coaches are uh, getting a little vacation in maybe, but it's still recruiting time. And uh, we're close to where I live. Um, that's where LSU brings all these prospects and you see them and, and they're here, there and everywhere. And they're uh, doing their very, putting their very best foot forward to entertain and inform all these kids. So we'll see. Uh, we shall see what happens. It's all about uh, the recruiting of things. Um, LSU lost one today. Uh, Carnell Tate, a wide receiver who played at the IMG Academy last season announced his commitment for the class of 2023. He picked Ohio State over LSU, Notre Dame, and Tennessee. So uh, Ohio State gets a pretty darn good wide receiver. But you know what? LSU always gets good wide receivers. I think more so than any other position. I know they, I know they like to call them DBU, but in my humble opinion, I think there are more uh, – there are – for a longer period of time, more high-profile, more NFL wide receivers that come out of LSU than any other position, any other position. And the list is long and talented. And uh, I think, uh, and I think they'll do it again. But that's that's one thing that always thrives, no matter what. And we've had recruiting analysts come on and say this is not the greatest of years in the state of Louisiana. This, that, and the other. But there's always, always a plethora of wide receivers. It is, uh, it's, it's never, ever, ever a shortage there. So, and I think, again, that will be certainly a position of strength uh, for the Tigers this year, without question, without doubt. Um, let me bring my uh, producer in real quick. James, if you got your ears on, James, um, I hope you uh, took care of your dad. I'm curious. We had talked on Friday. You were um, going to put your Julia child on and become a chef over the weekend, and you were going to make some rolls, some yeast rolls, as I remember correctly. Um, well, how, how, how did everyone rank them? Yeah, for first time, make, making bread. I, I became a baker and turned out to be uh, actually pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. I, I ended up using... It as a sandwich and not just using it as just regular bread. Very nice. Very nice. So it, it was a hit. People uh, commended you for that. Correct. Yeah. They so enjoyed now it. you're stuck doing that for every year uh, at every event. So there you go. The bread maker. Yes. The bread winner. Yes. The bread winner. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. All right. All right. Um, LSU signee Ethan Fry of Rose Pine is the Louisiana Sports Writers Association um, Player of the Year, Mr. Baseball Award, a senior catcher slash pitcher, hit 487 with uh, 13 home runs 
64 ribbies, 28 runs scored. As a pitcher, he was 5-0 and with two saves and a 0.77 ERA with 43 strikeouts in 27 innings pitched. Um, they won the Class 2A LHSAA title, a one-zip championship win over Doyle. Uh, Ethan Fry and his Rose Pine teammates uh, were dominant. They were 33-2, and two, and for that, Fry is the winner of the Louisiana Farm Bureau Insurance Mr. Baseball Award. So LSU got themselves a good one. Um, yeah. So I don't know if he's going to be a pitcher or a catcher. I don't know what he's going to be, but um, he's going to be good. He's going to be good, and he had some, you know, had some names in there that uh, from the past had a pretty good Jared Poche from Lecture in 2013, Cade Beloso from John Curtis in 2018, uh, just to name a few. Um, so lots of good ones, and LSU got themselves a good one as well. So uh, baseball is uh, thriving, and uh, Jake Johnson's going to get him some players, got to get him some new coaches, and we'll go. Uh, we'll see what happens from there. Now the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou or a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House or a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It is free. It is simple. So why haven't you signed up? Why haven't you? Um, NBA draft I mentioned earlier uh, is this Thursday. The Orlando Magic are not tipping their hand with the number one pick. Is it going to be Jabari Smith from um, – Auburn, is it going to be Chet Holmgren from Gonzaga? Are they going to trade back? Are they going to do put together a deal to try to get a star player? Who knows? That, that's what makes it so intriguing, and it's very critical for the Pels to, to strike it and strike it right. Uh, we shall see. We shall see. Um, okay, we'll take a time out here. Uh, when we come back, Glenn West will join us. We'll talk all things LSU football, as believe it or not, we are uh, uh, we're getting closer. Each and every day, getting closer and closer. 76 days till the kickoff, 6.30 in the Caesar Superdome, LSU versus Florida State, just 76 days away. Woo, be here before you know it. And I think a lot of you will be glad for that. I know I will be as well, but let's slow it down, go at its own pace. We got the 4th of July to look forward to next, uh, and we'll go from there. All right, Glenn West of... Um, 247 Sports. I forgot he's been moving around a little bit, but he's a go 247 Sports. Joins us next. We'll talk some LSU football here. The Jordy Helper Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station and your home for the Houston Astros. You're listening to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Hit high, hammered to left field. Going back, taking a look is Holcomb, and it's gone! Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Driven pretty well and pretty deep to left field. Going back is Varsho, looking up. See you later! Your home for the LSU Tigers and Houston Astros. 
We're back 32 minutes after the hour on this Monday, June 20th. We welcome in our good friend from Go247 Sports, Mr. Glenn West. Hope you had a good weekend, Glenn. How are you, buddy? Hey, Jordy. It was a great weekend. Another hot one, though. How about you? Oh, God, Blaze. I got, I caught a head cold, man, and it's miserable. But uh, the oh, no. show goes on. The beat goes on. So if you see me crying, it's not because of anything you said or did. It's just <laughs> you know, the eyes are um, watering. Uh, everybody talks about um, LSU, DBU, and all that. I, I beg to differ. I think LSU is WRU. I think it's wide receiver university. If you look across the board, more impactful players, and I mean more, come from the wide receiver position. Would you agree or disagree with that? No, I would absolutely agree with that. I mean, you go back, you know, a decade ago when you had Odell and Jarvis here, obviously, and they've pretty consistently run through some pretty great receivers ever since they came through. And uh, you you go back to DJ Chark and obviously the Jefferson, Jamar Chase, Terrace Marshall trio a couple of years ago, but the one they have. Russell Gage hardly ever played at LSU and now he's starting in the league. Yep, absolutely. Can't forget Russell Gage. Sterling Shepard had a or uh, not not Russell Russell Shepard had a nice Shepherd, yeah. couple of years in the NFL uh, after not really playing all that much at LSU. So, yeah, I mean, look, they they do a nice job of rolling in receivers, and I think this year is just as uh, in terms of quality depth. I think they're going to be as talented as any receiver group that you've you've seen at LSU before in terms of just the overall depth of the unit that's going to be really special i think this year we'll get to that i mean you mentioned dj chark that was the guy that always that's the guy that sold me on i don't care about spring football at all because he would come out in the spring game every year and be like whoa look at this dude and les would never play him when it counted he never played i'm like i give up i give up Yep. Until his last year here, he really didn't do a whole lot. And he had a couple really nice games. He had one against uh, Florida, I believe, at home. It really kind of skyrocketed his career here. And yeah, I mean, he obviously wound up being a second round draft pick and just signed for, I think, seven or eight million dollars to go play somewhere. So yeah, I mean, that's a, it's a good life to be, you know, if DJ Chark is kind of at the low end of guys you would think, you know, can come out of a program. It's pretty good, uh, pretty good track record you have as a program. He saved his mileage for now when he gets paid for it, not in college. So um, they didn't have NIL back then. So anyway, all right, try and clear up for me and our audience. Uh, Take me through the progression of Kayshawn Boutte. He got hurt. And then Brian Kelly kind of, he called him out. And what was going on there? And and where are we now with Kayshawn? Yeah, so, you know, I think it was just a classic case of, you know, haven't seen you around kind of need need you to be around a little bit more kind of deal. I mean, I think, you know, kind of Kayshawn's uh, deal last year was he was came off like gangbusters. He had nine touchdowns in six games, and then he right. had that ankle injury, uh, which looked so serious. I mean, it was, if they went back and they showed the replay, really serious-looking injury, and he needed surgery on it and, um, you know, obviously cost him the rest of that season. And so he spent most of, I think, those next few months rehabbing kind of away from the team and also around the facility some. But, um, yeah, I, I think it was it was just a subtle kind of reminder, I think, from Brian Kelly with those comments, you know, kind of earlier when he took the first took the job of, you know, hey, this is how we're going to start doing things now. Um, you always, obviously also heard the rumblings of Alabama 
you know, maybe trying to whittle them away from LSU and what, what kind of deals were going on behind the scenes. But, um, you know, look, Kelly and him, I think, had a nice couple of conversations, some, some productive conversations during the spring. And uh, really from the start of spring ball ever since, he's been fully engaged with the team. He's been uh, looking like his old self. He just got 100% cleared about a week ago. Um and or a couple weeks ago, actually now, but mm-hmm. uh, he, he's he's at the facility doing workouts, and this is going to be a really important time for him, I think, to try to rebuild some of that chemistry with those quarterbacks. It's it's his money year, uh, without question, without doubt. You mentioned those quarterbacks. What do you take from the fact that Miles Brennan has been invited to the Manning Passing Academy, and no one else from LSU? Is there anything we need to read between the tea leaves there? No, I, I don't think so. I mean, okay. I think this this job is obviously still so much up in the air. I think this is gonna it's gonna be a job that's won in Baton Rouge in the fall, uh, not not based on the, the quarterback they send to the Manning Passing Academy. <laughs> there are a couple of guys I know. I talked we we you know just in terms of guys around the buildings. We were kind of around the facility the last couple of weeks with a couple of LSU camps, and a lot of the players were rolling in and out of the facility and Garrett Nussmeyer was out there. We talked with him a little bit and he kind of expressed some interest in going, but understood that it was going to be a Miles Brennan deal this year. So okay. uh, I do think that's going to be something to kind of monitor in the years to come, you know, Nussmeyer or Walker Howard or anybody else that they bring in to certainly go. But yeah, look, I think Brennan, you know, he was supposed to go last year and uh, obviously he and Max Johnson were both su- supposed to go last year. And then kind of at the last second, neither of them showed up. So um, that was that was a little bit of a, a a weird coincidence, a weird kind of situation with how that unfolded last year. But uh, Brennan obviously is a guy who you know, extremely reliable, a guy that you can you know go expect to go there and be a be a good influence, I think, on a lot of the young high school players and and give some good answers too because we're going to get to talk to him a little bit later this week too. Glenn West, uh, go two four seven sports. All right, so we don't read much into that. Do we read much into um, the? pontificating of Keishon Butte about Garrett Nussmeyer saying how he, he can do it all. And uh, I mean, he, he just raved about the kid. Do we read in between those tea leaves? I don't think you have to read in between the tea leaves in terms of just Nussmeyer's talent. I mean, I was blown away by how much improvement he had shown uh, back in the spring and really just three months time since the season ended. He looked like a much more confident, much more poised quarterback. He was making all the right reads um, he's a guy that can extend plays a little bit with his legs in terms of just keeping the ball, you know, kind of out of harm's way down, you know, when, when you got guys, you know, running after you. So, uh, he, 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 he really impressed me. He was, I think by far the best quarterback that played, uh, in the spring game. He had the most productive spring game of the, of the quarterbacks. And, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I, I really do believe this is a three-man race and and really nothing would surprise me in the fall. I mean, if Nuss, if you told me Nussmeyer was to come in there the first two weeks and take over the job, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised at all. I think this is as quality uh, a quarterback room in terms of depth as LSU's ever had. Um, so it's it's gonna be very, very interesting, a very competitive fall, but uh, it's something that I don't think we'll we'll really get a good gauge on until maybe a week or two before uh, their first game. Uh, Glenn West with us. Um, I like to equivalent things to LSU and the Saints. Kayshawn Butte as to LSU, what a healthy Michael Thomas is to the New Orleans Saints. Um, oh, yeah. Who's who is the Jarvis Landry uh, comparison on the LSU Tiger team? Is there? Yeah, one? I mean, 
Yeah, I mean, there, there's a couple. I, I would throw in Jack Besh, uh, the freshman who obviously had a great freshman year last year, um, was was kind of that slot receiver guy who yeah. just kind of found the open holes and was able to make some big-time plays for you last year. Um, I could see him filling kind of that Jarvis Landry slot role for, for LSU this season. He's been so dependable as a receiver, as a pass yeah. catcher last year. I think it's going to be hard to keep him off the field. Um, Malik Neighbors is another guy that – I know the staff is very high on. They're 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 rolling him out there with with Bash, with Butte, with Brian Thomas. Uh, Chris Hilton is a guy you can throw in there. Jeray Jenkins as well. So there's there's a lot of great receiver talent on this room. And it, uh, if that's just one name, I would say Jack Bash probably. Do we have that Chris Olave who takes the top off the defense? That guy that uh, okay, you go long and uh, we're gonna f- throw it up there and you go chase it down. I would say Thomas is a pretty reliable vertical threat. He's not only you know a, a really fast guy, but he's also a, a big receiver. He's about 6'3", 6'4", and I think he's somebody that can certainly take the top off the defense. Obviously, Butte can do that as well. Um, you know, another name, I guess, kind of throw in there would be Hilton. I think he kind of had a redshirt year where he got to kind of get his feet wet a little bit, but he's a speedy guy, guy out of Zachary who's obviously – uh, you know, built built up quite a local reputation here as one of the kind of quicker receivers that have come out of you know Louisiana in recent years. So wouldn't be surprised to see him obviously improve on his on his stature from last year. But um, yeah, I mean, those are just a couple of names that kind of come to mind. Oh, Kyron Lacey too, the ULL yeah. transfer. I forgot to mention him. He's yeah. a he's th- that's the kind of guy that they brought in for that kind of role, a guy that can take the top off the defense and and you know kind of burn teams on those go routes. Six two, about two fifteen. That's a that's a pretty yeah. big, pretty strong wide receiver. So uh, they got a lot of weapons there. Do you see a Brian? I, I I can't remember what he did at Notre Dame. I really can't. Um, I know he used loved the tight ends. Yeah, but don't you think he's versatile enough to say, man, we got we got we can go five wide sometimes and and air it out. Oh, absolutely. No, I think so. I think that's going to be kind of your bread and butter offensively is to have five guys. Um, you know, you know, at least at least three, but but in a lot of cases, five uh, with a back back there to help you. Um, but, you know, I think the that, that's that's totally in the, the works. You know, I think it's going to obviously cater to whoever wins the job at the quarterback spot in terms of what they decide to do with their receivers, because there's some receivers that are a lot better blockers than they are as pass catchers. And if you're going to roll out Jaden Daniels out there and he's going to be a guy that you're going to want to see. Uh, run the football a little bit, you know, you're going to want to have some great, you know, pass, you know, pass, you know, blockers um, at, at receiver. So it, it's just, it's so, there's so many different scenarios to kind of think about and hypothesize, but um, yeah, I could certainly see them using five wide, three wide, four outs, you know, yeah. just, just all kinds of different. Put some uh, pressure on the, yeah. Put pressure yeah. on the defense. Glenn West, go two four seven. Um, Not again, drawing parallels with the saints. Do you see, let's say, Let's say Miles Brennan wins it, and he's the Drew Brees guy. Okay, mm-hmm. um, is there a Jaden Daniels Taysom Hill role there where you put him in there on third and short or something, and you have that RPO situation? Yeah, I, I could only go back to really what Brian Kelly told us in the spring, which is that he hates having to incorporate two quarterback systems. I mean, he says he's right. done it in the past. It's a real hassle to kind of have to do it at a college level. Um, you know, I think it's a little bit easier to maybe incorporate at a professional level when you're, you know, when you got guys 
guys that are kind of fully bought in and, you know, got a hundred percent with, with the signings and everything and the, the money that they're making. But um, yeah, I, I do. I think, you know, if look, if Brennan wins the job and Daniels thinks, man, there's just no way for me to transfer and go play immediately somewhere else. Then I do think there are some probably situations. There are probably some sets that LSU can run uh, to get Daniels involved with the football a little bit because he is a very electric athlete. There's no denying that. I mean, we watched him uh, just just running past you know linebackers and and corners and safeties. I mean, just just making it look easy uh, at times during the spring. And there was a couple of weeks there in the middle of spring practice where you know the word was he was the most impressive looking quarterback. Uh, of the group um, while he was also working on his mechanics as a passer. So, yeah, I think there's a way that you can incorporate that kind of talent into the offense. Uh, maybe not, you know, in every, you know, every play kind of consistent right. basis, right. but, um, you know, maybe every once every other drive or every couple drives just to kind of throw the defenses off. It's, it's a conundrum that I, in the, in my long time following LSU football that I've never seen before where you have, three distinctively different quarterbacks all vying for the same spot, all still in the mix um, and, and will be in into fall camp and how this coaching staff manages this. That is the most intriguing thing I think I've ever, uh, ever thought of or imagined for LSU football. Yeah. I mean, look, I mean, it kind of was supposed to be like that three years ago when you had Burrow, when you had Brennan, when you had Narcisse, and when you had McMillan all competing in that spring a couple of years back, and then two of them bolt, you know, obviously for the transfer portal. Then the next year, it's supposed to be a Brennan, Max Johnson, TJ Finley, Garrett Nussmeyer, um, and then you know, obviously a year later, two of those guys are gone. So uh, it's just it's going to be very interesting to see who wins the job, how that affects the rest of the depth chart uh, at the quarterback spot. Does does somebody get antsy and enter the portal or do they say, hey, let's stick it out for a year, um, figure out what my next step's going to be, and then maybe move on after that or, or could decide to come back and compete the next year. And look, there's an, also an aspect of this that whoever wins the job might not perform very well in the first couple of weeks. And then you're back into a spot where maybe one of those guys behind him can certainly push him. So I think whoever wins this job, you know, you're going to have to get pretty much a, a, a flawless season or some flawless part of the first season to really feel comfortable with your spot. And that's really asking a lot. And that's, that's a fine line for, for athletes. To, you know, I, I, it, it, it's, it's like if Pete Maravich didn't score 45 points in a game, everybody went home like they got cheated out of their money. Right. Um, so it's nearly impossible to live up to those expectations. And that's what's so fascinating about this. You give it to a starter, but is he looking over his shoulder? First mistake right. he makes. What's the fan base going to say? You know, yeah. this is a this is uncharted territory it uh, is. with this. It really is. It is. And it's going to be something that, you know, Brian Kelly is going to have to navigate here in this first year. And it's going to be very, very interesting to see how he does it. I mean, I'm, I'm going to be very intrigued to see who not only wins the game one starters job, but how long of a leash they have. You know, I think all that's going to be kind of dictated a little bit in the fall in terms of which quarterback they feel most comfortable with. Um but how 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 much of a leash do they extend to him? That, that's going to be really 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 important. Who knows the playbook the best? Who's got command of the huddle? But when all push comes to shove, who's going to move the chains and get into the end zone and, yep. and not make mistakes? And that that's the guy who's going to get it. 
Um, I'm just curious as to who the locker room believes in. You know, that's that's so critical. There was no question with Joe Burrow his first year. He took control of everything and he just got better and better and better. And when you don't have that, that's when you got issues. That's when you have the Jordan Jefferson, Jarrett Lee situation. And nobody wants to go through that again. No, and and you know we've we've obviously asked the players about all these quarterbacks, you know, back in the spring, and they give very you know diplomatic answers. Of they do, you know. yes. and so you know we won't really know. I think a lot about all that stuff until after somebody's named the starter. And I think once you get a good handle on somebody being named the starter, then you can have full buy-in with the entire locker room. And look, I think there's complete buy-in with all these guys. I don't really think there's a bad talent on this on this right. roster right now at the spot. You know, I think you're kind of playing with house money to see whoever, you know, kind of comes out and plays the best uh, in those first couple of weeks of fall camp. So I think they're in a very good position. They're in a good spot to be in uh, with your quarterback and a first year coach with all this ter- roster turnover. I think the two spots you can feel very confident in getting some solid play are out of the quarterback spot and out of the receivers, um, just, just depending on who plays the best. Yeah. It's uh, fascinating stuff, man. You better have some thick skin. Cause I, you, you know, you're going to hear it. First yeah. interception that's thrown, the, the Tiger Stadium, the Boo Birds are going to come out. Put in Nussmeyer, put yep. in Daniel, whatever. You know it's coming. Don't, don't convert in the red zone. You know, yeah. you throw it, the red zone turnover. Yeah, I mean, it's all, I mean, you know, they're, they're relentless in Baton Rouge. That's part of what <laughs> yeah. makes them such a strong, strong, passionate fan base. And they're going to make their feelings heard. So it's going to be a very, very, very interesting first year. And, and, and so many people, are doubting Brennan for some reason when before he got hurt, dude was balling. Yeah. He yeah. Was and he really was really good. You know, he was really good in the spring this, this last couple months too. He, he looked like uh, a different quarterback, even from a couple of years ago, he looked like he had learned from some of his mistakes. His mechanics look a little bit tighter than they were a couple of years ago. Um, he's a little bit bigger now too. I think he's gotten even a little bit bigger since he was, you know, you know a couple of years ago before the injuries. And so I think that, obviously played a huge role in kind of his rehab is, you know, look, and if I want to avoid injury, I got to be in peak physical condition. Yeah. I got to be in the best shape of my life. And yeah. I think he's kind of taken that to heart a little bit. He's dropped some weight and he looks really good. And uh, I, I think he's uh, absolutely going to give himself every opportunity to try to win this job. If not now, when, and look, I I don't think a Nussmeyer is going to transfer if he doesn't win the job. Cause he's got years on the years to come. This oh yeah. Is he, he's a last. He's a redshirt freshman. Yeah, yeah. he's going to be fine. Um, yeah. I wonder what Jaden Daniels thinks. Uh, if he doesn't get it, I wonder um, what what would go through his mind. That's uh, man, it's, it's a good question. I, I honestly can begin to tell you what I think it would probably be going through his head. I mean, I think, yeah, at the end of the day, I don't, I, it's not like Kelly promised him the starting job. I think, you know, if he comes here and he just gets beaten by a better guy, I think that's something you can wear on your sleeve for the next season. Um, obviously you'd have another year of eligibility left to, to play, whether yeah. it's at LSU or somewhere else, or, yeah. uh, maybe, maybe something like we just talked about, maybe somebody comes out and struggles at the start and you're able to find that opportunity right. a little lighter later in the season. So, yeah. Yeah. uh, lots of, lots of different ways this can play out, Jordy. <laughs> be really fascinating. Really fascinating. Glenn West of go Two Four Seven sports. Thank you, my friend. I really awesome. do appreciate it. Yes, sir. I appreciate it. Thank you. All right. We'll take a timeout. Our final timeout of our number one. We'll come back and set the stage for our number two. This is the Jordy Helpert Show. We're on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. 
We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yeah. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. And we're back 55, 56 minutes after the hour. Title IX uh, became a law 50 years ago this week. And so many influential women in the state of Louisiana that that did just remarkable things in their sport of choice, whether it be player, uh, coach, administrator, so many of them. Um, uh, it's just remarkable, remarkable. Like uh, Simone Augustus, the most honored player uh, from Louisiana, two-time Wade Trophy winner. That's the nation's top women's college basketball player at LSU, where her number has been retired. The Capitol High grad was an eight-time WNBA All-Star, a three-time Olympian before retiring in 2021, and she's going to have a statue um on the LSU campus. So uh, we'll just go over some more of the names throughout the course of this week. Title nine. Um, good for the ladies. They deserve it very, very much. Coming up, our number two, Alex Myers of Golf Digest. We'll recap the U.S. Open Championship um, uh, from Boston, outside of Boston. And Blake Rafino will join us from the Are You Serious podcast so that's all coming your way our number two of the Jordy Helper show here on the game 1037 Lafayette 1041 Lake Charles we are home uh, your home for the Houston Astros and for the LSU Tigers in southwest Louisiana we'll be back after this live and local this is the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles Southwest Louisiana's sports station open for the end zone it's a Saints touchdown it's time for two hours of the best sports talk on the airwaves here's your host the blonde bomber Jordy Holtberg Oh, we just got one hour left, but we're glad you're with us. Uh, one hour down, one to go on this Monday, June 20th, the year 2022 elimination game at the College World Series in the top of the sixth. Bases loaded for Auburn, but Stanford with a 2-1 lead over the Tigers. And tonight, 6 o'clock first pitch, a battle of unbeatens from the SEC West, where it just means more Ole Miss and Arkansas. Um a month ago, they were going to fire uh, Mike Bianco of the Rebels. Now they're talking contract extension. Uh, it's just the nature of the beast. Nature of the beast. Um, it was uh, not very long ago um, where um, Phil Mickelson announced uh, he was coming back, um, returned to public life on June the 9th. Um, two weeks later on Sunday, Matt Fitzpatrick won the U.S. Open and there's a lot of things that happened in between that Mickelson coming back and Fitzpatrick winning. Well, let's talk all golf with our good friend from um, Golf Digest, Mr. Alex Myers, who was uh, at outside of Boston at the country club to witness this U.S. Open. Uh, Alex, thank you for your time, man. How you doing? You got it, Jordy. Yeah, I'm doing great. Uh, what, a, what a great week up there at, at the country club. I think everyone can agree that we hope the USGA doesn't wait as long to come back here for another U.S. Open. You know, it had been 
since 1988, and obviously there was that 1999 Ryder Cup, but uh, just seemed to get rave reviews from just about everyone, and it produced a, a very exciting golf tournament. It really, really did. Um, looked like you coming out of that bunker on the 72nd hole. What a clutch shot um, under the most stressful of situations for Fitzpatrick, who looks like he's 10 years old to me. He looks so young, uh, but boy, he sure can hit it. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, it's funny because he still looks young. But then you see those pictures from the 2013 USAM, and he, he actually looks like he's 10. Uh, but, yeah, no, he, he's got that young look. Uh, but certainly, for whatever the reason, he is completely comfortable around these parts. You know, people we were calling him uh, Fitz Magic on the, uh, on the Slack chain uh, yeah. because the guy just gets it done at the country club. Obviously, he won the 2013 U.S. Amateur there. He was staying with the same family that hosted him that week, this week. So good vibes for him all around. And so even when he goes into that bunker on the 18th hole, uh, he remains calm and hits one of the best shots of his life. Uh, you know what amazed me about that shot, too, Jordy, is, he, you know, I know his caddy was kind of lining it up, doing the plumb bomb and everything, but he really didn't take a lot of time to play that shot. I mean, we would see other guys uh, taking a long time, you know, with the pressure and the situation and everything else. He just kind of treated it like any other shot, and he got in there, and that's probably why he hit it to about 15 feet. It ended up uh, wrapping up the title for him. So it's just an incredible day of ball striking for him. 17 greens in regulation. Uh, if he had made a few more putts, he would have won this thing in a runaway. Yeah, um, he didn't. Um, but, boy, it sure was a dramatic finish. And, you know, I uh, I think of Will Zalatoris, oh, so close, and yet, oh, so uh, far away. Yeah. And then uh, I think of um, Scotty Scheffler, who – didn't win, but now he's got more money in one year playing golf than anybody in the history of ever played the game of golf, except if you're on the live tour, I'm just saying, um, but, uh, but you know, so it ain't so bad being second and third. Yeah. You know, you're right. We do feel bad for these guys and, and certainly certain guys, um, including Fitzpatrick. And, and I, I it seems like Zalatoris don't really play as much for the money. They, they play for the, the glory and, and the pride of winning these big-time events, which is what you like to see. Now, again, getting paid is nice as well. Uh, but, yeah, it's still hard to not feel bad, especially for Zalatoris. Obviously, Scheffler got that major already this year, and not only did he get a major, he got the major, winning winning the Masters and taking that green jacket. But Will Zalatoris, I mean, in the span of, what, uh, 14 months, he has three runner-ups at majors. Uh, including at the Masters, including yesterday, including the playoff loss at the PGA. You know, on one hand, it's incredibly impressive because for whatever reason, he plays his best golf in the biggest events against the best mm -hmm. competition on the toughest golf courses. So that bodes well for his future. But on the other hand, yeah, I mean, you only get so many chances. I mean, even someone like that, you know, we always, I always go back to Sergio Garcia when he came so close uh, in the 99, 1999 PGA against Tiger. And then it took almost two decades for him to finally win a major. So, you know, on one hand, he's got to feel good about that he's able to play so well in these events. But, man, yeah, that, that is tough to have that many close calls so, so early in, in your career. Alex Myers, Golf Digest. Um, I, I'm just curious. Uh, you know, there was a time when, when Tiger Woods stepped on a course and everybody said, well, there's your winner. And nine right. times out of ten, he was your winner. 
Um, now there is no, in my opinion, dominant superstar. There's some great players. Don't get me wrong, right. but there isn't that one guy. And now you've got the live tour and all that kind of stuff. They've all, I've always been told that publicity, whether good, bad, or indifference, always good because now people are talking about golf. They're thinking about golf and you know, news is good for golf. So where is golf now? I mean, it's been lots, lots of things pulling left and right and in between. Where are we with the state of golf? Yeah, it's a great question. And, and you're right. I mean, this live stuff generated even more buzz than I, I would have expected. I mean, it was, you know, not just national sports news, but national news. I mean, you, you turn on the news when that thing yeah. came on and, and it was one of the, the main stories. I mean, it's kind of, kind of crazy. So you're right. On one hand, that publicity is, I guess, good for the game, gets more people tuning in. But on the other hand, you just have to wonder how it can be sustained. And mm-hmm. particularly, particularly with the Live Tour, now that it's kind of splitting up the game's elite players. I mean, you know, even a, an Abraham answer now confirmed to be going there. He's a 20th ranked player in the world. I mean, they're starting to rack up some of these guys. They're never going to get all the guys because we know Rory and Rom and Justin Thomas are not going. So, you know, you, you got those guys who are going to remain loyal to the PJ Tour, but on the same hand, now you're splitting it up, um, and so now it creates a situation where maybe other than those four majors, and that even remains to be seen if the majors continue to let guys in next year, you're not going to have that many weeks where you're getting a crossover of these guys, and so then does that water down uh, the competition level? Does mm-hmm. that take away the buzz from the game? So. You're right. Right now, golf is really hot. I mean, you had last week with the Live Tour, and then you right into the U.S. Open. We had such a compelling tournament um, and everything else going on. And right, the Phil Mickelson storyline. But how much are people going to keep tuning into that? And then will they stick to the tour once some of these fields get kind of weakened by the fact that the Live Tour is kind of poaching some of these guys? So it's going to be interesting, Jordy. I, I really hope that, um, you know, you get a really strong contingent that does stay on the tour because otherwise um, I think everybody's going to suffer by having two weak tours out there. Yeah. I, I think about the, you know, the Zurich classic in the world. I mean, the majors are going to be the majors and as long as they let everybody right. play, that's never going to go away. But I, but all right. these other, I mean, you're going to start losing sponsorship money. You're going to start yep. some of these companies yep. that, that, that that's you know that pay for it and have their name sure. on the on the on the board uh they're going to sure. fi- find other ways to spend their money so that's that's what i uh, uh concerns me and and it goes back to phil mickelson he's the biggest name out there but maybe he's playing like a dog um what was the crowd <laughs> yeah. reaction to him what was that like yeah you know it was tough it was, it was weird because you know, obviously he finally did that press conference. He got it right out of the way at the beginning of the week. But, um, man, he just looked like a shell of himself. Um, and then, you know, he kind of looked a little better. Those practice rounds, he was going around. The, the crowds were pretty receptive to him. I mean, other than the occasional person heckling or booing him, I mean, he got positive you know, feedback from the fans. He was flashing the thumbs up, so he looked kind of happy. And then, you know, it was his birthday on Thursday, and we always get his birthday at the U.S. Open, but he goes out there and shoots a 78 or whatever it was. It was horrendous and uh, just never had a chance of even making the cut. So just shows again, A, how miraculous his win at the PGA Championship was last year, but B, that this guy's kind of moved on from, you know, being a high-level player, it seems like. And, um, mm-hmm. 
you know, his, his he, he stopped by the media center um, on his way out to talk. I'm telling you, his press conference, about 10 questions, maybe totaled 100 words that he spoke. I mean, just the most yeah. bare bones, nothing yeah. answers. And this is a guy who we all, you know, look forward to coming to right. the media room and, and talking and putting on a show as much as he does on the course. So something's clearly up with him. I don't know if it's shame. I don't know if it's a personal issue. You mentioned going to therapy. Obviously, when you when you get dragged through the mud for, again, his own fault, but for something you say, you know, obviously that mm-hmm. takes a toll on your psyche as well. But he's clearly not the, the same Phil, you know, swashbuckling Phil that we've been used to seeing these past few decades. What is it with the, the affinity of golf with the Saudis that make them want to do this and just spend just, I know they've got more money than they know what to do with, but what is yeah. the... What is the calling? What is the benefit for them in this? Well, yeah, I mean, you know, obviously the term sports washing gets gets thrown around, and you know they've they've infiltrated, um, you know, soccer. Uh, they've infiltrated the the Formula One racing. Yeah, uh, you know, it's it's it, it obviously it kind of infiltrated golf with with a with a tournament here or there. But uh, you know, let's be honest, they're not going to take over the NBA. They're not going to take over. Major League Baseball or the NFL. I mean, this is kind of the next best thing that they can do. Probably, you know, the biggest um, league that they can kind of really try to take over. And mm-hmm. you know, the whole like, oh, we want to com- we want to run in conjunction with the tour. I mean, come on, that that's laughable. I mean, they're setting up, <laughs> that's right. um, you know, eight eight tournaments this year, then I think ten or twelve next year, and then fourteen after that. Well, if you play fourteen events plus the four majors, that's all the big events that these guys play. They're not going to play the other events, even if the tour allowed them to. So mm-hmm. you're clearly a direct rival um, of, the, of the PGA Tour. And, and some would say, look, the PGA Tour deserves to have some competition. Um, you know, yeah. I think for years the European Tour probably hated that the PGA Tour kind of, you know, ended up taking away their best players by having the biggest purses and everything else. But obviously this is a, a different situation, Jordy, where – the guys who are signing up for this league are, are essentially employees of the, the Saudi government. So, yeah. and again, they have just no intention of making any money here. So it's right. a competition, but it's not a fair competition. It's not a fair <laughs> fight versus this league. When Charles Schwartzel wins $4.75 million for, for winning a 48 man exhibition. Yeah. yeah. I'm just curious. I wonder if there's been thought by the live tour. If I'm going to pay this guy, 200 million just to come in here just to play and he can there's no cuts there you just play and you finish last you're still going to make 150,000 why why haven't they gone to a television network and say look we'll pay you a billion dollars to broadcast our our events uh, that's a, that's a good point that's a good point because you're right the, the, the spending is so outrageous why stop there why not pay right instead of networks paying the fee to the league why not just right. flip it I guess they're thinking that they will put on a good enough product to entice some network to pay for it at some point, and they can recoup some of this money. I mean, you know, at some point there has to be a limit to the spending. I mean, it seems like they've already invested almost a billion dollars in this. But, uh, yeah, at some point you would think there would be some kind of limit, but you're right. Maybe even to make a bigger splash, um, they could have, you know, offered to pay to televise it. Now, some might say, well, then that, that looks even weaker if, if you have someone paying for that, for the rights uh, right. to be put on TV. Maybe that makes you look weaker. But, no, you're right. It, it's almost – it wouldn't – nothing would surprise me at this point yeah. with, with the type, right. type of money that's being thrown around. I mean, $200 million for Phil, 
125 for DJ, 100 for Bryson DeChambeau, even though he hasn't made a cut this year. Uh, you know, well, until this weekend, it, it's just it's just amazing um, the type of money that's getting thrown around uh, for for some of these guys. And only Charles Barkley would say it. If somebody offered me two hundred million to go, I'd go kill my relative. I'd go kill a relative. I'm, my God. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Crazy. Um, you, I, I mentioned broadcasting. What's the big? I didn't get to watch because of uh, Father's yeah. Day. But what's the big hullabaloo about NBC's coverage of this thing? Well, you know, I mean, it's the same thing every week. And 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 look, <laughs> I, I will say I watched the beginning of the Live Tournament last week. Now again, they're not trying to make any money, so you can't really compare it. But they did show a lot of golf, and that's kind of when you turn on the TV, you want to see that. You want to see them jumping around, peppering you with shots. Um, They even showed, um, you know, kind of these highlight packages, but not like, oh, let's show you what happened six hours ago. No, they showed, like, what happened in the last, like, five minutes to get you caught up, which I thought was kind of cool. So, you know, NBC and CBS gets takes it on, you know, hits every week on golf Twitter, too, for not showing enough shots. And we get it. It's a business. They have yeah. to put commercials in there. But, right. um, you know, for a major championship, and again, the Masters has kind of spoiled us with that limited commercials for right. forever. But, um, you know, for a major championship, you would just hope for a little more. And fortunately, uh, you know, the new, uh, you know, CEO of, of the USGA, um, Mike Wan, who came over from the LPGA, the commissioner, he actually did respond to some of the criticism and say, oh, we're, we're, we're going to try to fix it for Sunday. And I kind of thought, you know, what are they going to do? But, they did have the final at least 30 minutes commercial-free thanks to Rolex. So I don't know if that was planned or okay. they just went to Rolex and said, can hmm. you throw us a couple extra bucks or whatever. Yeah. But we did at least get to see that fantastic finish uninterrupted. But, um, yeah, for the most part, it was a lot of stop and start. Um, and, and, again, it just seems like more than usual when it's a major and when it's actually a really exciting tournament that you, that yeah. you want to see. I got you. Alex Myers, Golf Digest. I'll let you go after this one. Um, I mentioned it before. Tiger Woods dominated. Um, is is it better when there is that singular factor um, of, of a dominant player, like like a dynasty, the Michael Jordan era with the Bulls, and now what Steph Curry and the Golden State Warriors are doing, Tom Brady and the, and the Patriots, you either love them or you hate them. Um, right. Is it good to have that, or is it good to have – where each and every week, you know, who's going to win this week? I don't know. Who is it? What's better for the game? And you're, what do you like better? Well, I'm one of the biggest Tiger fans. So, of course, I like Tiger <laughs> being around. I didn't care how many times he went. I wanted him to win. But Me you're too. right. I had friends who rooted against him, and they would tune in just to root against him. So, I think to answer your question, um, you kind of would like that. Now, again, Tiger was a once-in-a-lifetime phenomenon for a variety of reasons he wasn't just a dominant player he was the most entertaining player there was the the race aspect there was everything else going on with him so you know to ask for another one of tiger another tiger woods to come along would be tough but um you know right you go back before that obviously with nicholas being a dominant player and palmer before him and um you know it definitely helps to have one or two guys i think elevate above the rest and that's kind of what we have had with tiger and then phil to a lesser extent i mean phil clearly doesn't have nearly the record tiger has but in terms of popularity and everything else he's in recognition he's he's up there so you know those two guys are clearly you know on their last last legs um you know and and uh you know i hate to say tiger really because of the, the crash unfortunately but 
Uh, you know, it would be great for a couple guys to step up. I mean, Rory is right there. Uh, but unfortunately, he's now gone on this eight-year major drought. I mean, you have unfortunately, you can't just win all these other events. You have to win the majors. Yes. Uh, he even said yesterday, another top five in a major. I guess that doesn't mean anything. And, you know, for any other player, it would mean something. But not when you win four majors by the time you're 25 and, you know, you win two of them by eight shots and the world is expected of you. So, unfortunately, he got up to such a hot start that he's almost hurt him, himself in that way. Right. But, um, no, it would be great if, you know, a Rory um, – you know, Scotty Scheffler is putting up a historic season, uh, yes, but he he's is. just not that, you know, exciting personality that uh, the Tiger was. So it's going to be tough. But look, uh, there's a lot of great players, as you mentioned, and there's going to be more coming along. So um, hopefully that's going to be enough to, to keep, keep the game going. And again, hopefully enough of them stay concentrated on the PJ Tour, um, you know, so that when fans tune in, they see a whole bunch of them playing. Is Rory the guy like everybody's pulling for? He seems to be the most liked guy yeah. out there. Is he? I, I, he is. I, I really think he is. I mean, actually, I'd say the other guy is Jordan Spieth. And, of okay. course, he wasn't in the conversation this week. And he, yeah. he's actually had a very disappointing season at the majors. He's played well otherwise. But I would say Jordan Spieth would be number one if he when he gets going. And then Rory's number two in terms of okay. – who people are pulling for and who is the most popular guys. And I mean, they've already combined for seven majors. So they're also right. the guys who, you know, in theory are, are the, the all time greats of, of this era. I mean, I know Brooks Kepka has the four majors too. He doesn't, he's not quite as popular as those guys, maybe not as engaging, but those two would, would I, I think would be the two guys. And I think everybody really wanted Rory to, to get a major finally, um, yeah. after these eight years, but uh, it wasn't meant to be. Obviously, Matt Fitzpatrick just played incredible golf, especially just the ball striking yesterday, hitting 17 greens in regulation during the final round of the U.S. Open. Just insane. So to your point, any week, there's a ton of guys who could pop up yeah. and, and kind of have the week of their life and, and take a big tournament. I mean, you studied it. You know all this stuff. Who? Some dude was winning this, leading this thing. I'd never heard of him before. Um, Dufel or <laughs> yeah. whoever, never heard of him. MJ MJ Duffy. We, we had Duffy, I, I, admittedly it. we had to look up how to pronounce his name too. There were people asking <laughs> around, and Dustin Johnson even said, "Well, I didn't know who that one guy who was leading the open was." Uh, you know, but that 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 happens. I mean, yeah, it, there's just so many good guys, and then of course a U.S. Open and a British Open, the the open aspect of it with all the qualifiers, you get yeah. guys in there. Um, who have maybe never even played in a major before. And uh, if they have a good round or two, you get to know who they are. So it's kind of a cool uh, yeah. you know, opportunity for those guys uh, as well. Well, um, uh, the Open Championship, that's coming up in July, I think, correct? Yeah, next month. Right. Yeah, St. Andrews, Jordy. Going St. Back Andrews. To St. Andrews so Tiger's going to play. So. And uh, hopefully we're going to see Tiger. Obviously yeah. he took this week off to kind of rest and prepare, give himself some extra time to get ready for that because uh, that's his favorite golf course on the planet. He's won the Claret Jug there twice. And, uh, again, hopefully after, you know, making those cuts at the first two majors, not playing this time, hopefully we can see him make a cut and actually play four good days if, of golf. Uh, that would be really exciting. If he won that, hmm. would that trump what Mickelson did uh, in winning his last major, the PGA? I mean, not even close. Yeah, it would yeah. be. I think it would be the big. I mean, look, when he won the 2019 Masters, 
That was arguably yeah. the biggest win in golf history. Yep. One of the biggest wins in sports history. This would be much bigger than that. <laughs> That's how wow. crazy this would be. I mean, he, and then you go back to 2008 winning with the broken leg, the U S open at Torrey Pines. Yep. If he somehow were to win this now, again, it's a huge, if. but even if you yes. were to ever win another tournament, um, you could make a case. He has the three most impressive wins in golf history. Uh, so that's what we're, I mean, you know, uh, he's just, uh, you know, that's he's awesome. a remarkable athlete. He's a remarkable yeah. competitor. And, uh, I really think that he, that if he's playing there and he's making that plane ride over there, that he really thinks he's got a chance. So yeah. again, I think everything he does is calculated, not playing this week. I'm sure it was tough for him. Difficult to sit out. I'm sure if he was watching, he was thinking, man, maybe I could have made a run here, but, uh, I think he'll be happy that he took that time and uh, you know gave himself his best opportunity to win at the course that sets up the best for him. So again, I think we'll, we'll you know that's just another golf's been so hot lately. But you throw Tiger yep. back in the mix, you got oh, the, love it. the home of golf, St Andrews, everything else should be a really exciting uh, tournament in a few weeks. And, and I'm an early bird, so I get to watch golf early early in go. the morning. I, I love it. I love it, <laughs> Alex. Thank you so much, man. Go. Uh, Go enjoy some downtime, I guess, and uh, get ready for the Open. So we'll see what happens. Thank you so much. You got it, Jordy. Thanks for having me on. Take care. Alex Myers, Golf Digest. We'll take a time out here. We'll come back with more of the Jordy Hulpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros in southwest Louisiana. And oh, by the way, um, well, I'll give you an updated score when we come back. Stay with us. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 20th, 1980, Panamanian boxer Roberto Duran takes the WBC welterweight title from Sugar Ray Leonard at Olympic Stadium in Montreal by unanimous points decision. That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're getting closer and closer to the big day. It's the game's birthday, and this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey this Wednesday. There'll be delicious wings, amazing door prizes, including station swag, Astros tickets, a 50-inch TV donated by AVI, car washes from the wash donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, a round of golf with cart, at Cane Row Golf Course, and a $150 gift card to Mosley and Hollard Men's Clothing and much more. In addition, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday from 4 to 9 p.m. for the game's 10th birthday bash in the College World Series. An update, the Auburn Tigers um, scored four in the top of the sixth, they've added an extra run in the top of the seventh. They're still at bat, and now they lead the Stanford Cardinal in an elimination game 5-2. to two. Let's go, SEC. Come on. Let's roll on. Keep them all in there. Um, tonight in uh, the winner's bracket side of things, Ole Miss at 41-22, and 22, taking on the Arkansas Razorbacks, who are 47-20, and 20, two teams that know each other very, very well. So we'll see. So give credit to Auburn. They were trailing two zip in the sixth. 
Um, last time I gave you an update, they had the bases loaded in and out, and obviously they've come across four in the sixth, one in the seventh. They lead it five to two um, in the seventh inning. So uh, we'll keep you updated on that one, to say the very, very least. Um, and, and and we'll go from there. Still to come, Blake Rafino will be joining us. Uh, we'll we'll touch base about LSU and all things happening uh, there as well. So, um, again, College World Series, been there once, never going to go back again because I can't top it. I was there for the um, the home run, heard round the world as LSU topped Miami uh, with a runner on, two outs, boom, gone, and uh, never see that one again. The ultimate, ultimate walk-off home run. The ultimate. Uh, so um, never go back. There's no reason to. No no need to. That that bucket list thing has been checked off. I would love to go see uh, the British Open Golf Championship. I, I would love to see that. I think that would be fun, wide open, different kind of a golf, um, Lynx golf, right next to the ocean and uh, so much history. Uh, I, I'd love to go see that. I really would. Uh, so anyway, uh, neither here nor there. Um, I, I hope each and every one of y'all had a dad's had a great Father's Day over the weekend. Um, hope you got to do what you got to do. And uh, I was treated royally, ate like a king, boating and all that. Maybe that's why I caught this cold. I don't know, but I caught it and it's just no fun. So as soon as this bad boy is over, it's straight to bed. And uh, hopefully this thing will go away. But man. I don't wish this upon anyone at all. All right. Uh, let's take a quick time out here. I don't want to keep Blake Rafino holding much longer. So um, we'll be back. This is the Jordy Helpert Show. And we are brought to you each and every uh, Monday by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. There are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. You can't shop at ShopRite, dude. You just can't shop right at all. Uh, we'll talk LSU sports after this timeout. The Jordy Helper Show, 1037 The Game in Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Houston Astros in Southwest Louisiana. <clears throat> All right, 35 minutes after the hour. Welcome back, boys and girls. The Jordy Helper Show on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. We welcome in after a brief respite. We gave him a break, but we're thrilled to have him back again from the Are You Serious? podcast that keeps growing and growing and growing our good friend blake Rafino. remember when we started this a long time ago man i mean we've been doing this for a while now man it's been fun yeah Jordan, i think uh, what two or three years something like yeah. that yeah yeah absolutely and your podcast keeps growing that's awesome uh all right where do we start let's see lsu football i i, I asked somebody this earlier i'll, I'll ask you do we need to read anything into this Miles um, Brennan being invited to the Manning Passing Academy and nobody else from LSU? Uh, no, not really. I mean, because then okay. you could read into um, Jane Daniels going out with the Palmer brothers and Joe Burrow out in California with Jamar Chase and a couple of wide receivers. Okay. Or you could read into a little bit of Garrett Nussmeyer going to the Elite 11 with Trent Dilfer and others. Um, those just weren't really publicized, really, Jordy. And mainly, I think, right. you know, due, here, due to, you know, the Manny Passion Academy being what it is, it's obviously a bigger deal. So, no, I mean, the, you know, Jane, Daniel work, Jane Daniels working out with Joe Burrow, I think, is a big, is just as big of 
uh, of something than anything else. Um, I agree. But, I mean, it's definitely something. I mean, um, so, I, I mean, but I don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't draw too much into it. Okay, that's fair. More than fair. Um, I, I also said this. I want your opinion. Everybody, LSU always talks about DBU, DBU. I, I beg to differ. I think it's wide receiver U. I think there's more, more talented. And you go back a long way. I mean, you go back 20 years and think of all the, the LSU wide receivers who've made an impact uh, in the NFL. Dwayne Bowe and people like that. Um, uh, Devery Henderson and, you know, people. Do you agree or disagree with that? Uh, I think you could definitely make the, the, the case, Jordy, um, for wide receiver you, but I, I think the difference with DBU is obviously the top end, the top end dudes, right? I mean, wasn't it, I think it was um, seven straight weeks, Tredavious White didn't allow reception. I mean, he was pro football focused as number one corner and this year, this year, last year, and the year before from a complete composite score. Um, but, I mean, the qual- the quantity – from wide receivers, I mean, you know, Russell Gage might be your seventh receiver. Jordan is a thousand-yard yes. receiver, right? Yes. So, yes. I mean, so I, I think you have the qu- the qual- uh, quantity. Maybe with the DBs, you have the quantity uh, of high-end guys uh, that give you some high-level all-pro type of stuff. Um, but with that being said, I think that you can make a debate for either, and I don't think that you could. You would be, you know, the lesser, whichever one you okay. said. Okay, uh, maybe because they go up against one another all the time. That's what makes them all so good. How would you rank this year's crop of wide receivers for LSU? Well, I, they certainly have the talent. I mean, obviously it starts with Kayshawn, but I don't think that as talented as Kayshawn is, I don't think that he is or will be the end-all, be-all. I think that, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a wide receiver room that has Dre Jenkins, that has Chris Hilton Jr., that has Brian Thomas, Malik, and you know we talked to Seven Banks, uh, the new the new Ohio State corner that transferred in, and along with Chris uh, Hilton this past week, and they both mentioned to us that Landon Ibiza, the kid from Andyville, was really stinking good. So I, I think from top to bottom, I, I think it's obviously maybe outside the defensive line you can make the argument it's the strongest unit on the team. Not a lot of proven though on the field if you really look at it statistically. But they do have the talent, and whoever's the quarterback is going to be, as we were talking about earlier, they certainly have a crop of guys that are fantastic. Well, Butte um, certainly delivered. Jack Besh certainly delivered delivered as a freshman. Yep. So, um, but you're right. The others, who knows? Um, but don't you see Brian Kelly going four wides every now and then? Maybe even five wides sometimes. I mean, they got enough depth and talent there. Why not? I don't think that they necessarily have a choice, and I think if. Jordy, they wanted to go multiple tight end sets like they did at Notre Dame. They would have gone in the transfer portal and gotten more tight ends, right? I yeah. mean, you can't yeah. really make that, you know, I, I think you can make the assumption that they're going to have to be a little bit more spread than normal. And I think it's what Mike Denbrock wants. I think they want to get the tight end involved. We saw that with Cole Taylor and in, in utilizing some things that he does well. But, Jordy, they don't have a lot of tight ends that, that Brian Kelly can do what he wanted to do at Notre Dame. And, and quite honestly, if you look at Brian Kelly's track record, I don't really necessarily think he wants to do that. I think mm-hmm. it was based out of necessity. You know, the years that he had Will Fuller and, and Chase Claypool and those guys, they were very spread. And, and quite honestly, they attacked you down the field. 
you know, the, I think the biggest misconception, Jordy, even from a season ago that uh, was Notre Dame was a pro-style offense. Well, last time I checked, throwing the ball 35 times and a half against Stanford isn't a pro-style attack. The formations might, might dictate that to you. But pro-style is not necessarily what I would call Brian Kelly. I would say he wants to get playmakers out in space and let them do things while running the football effectively. So if they can, I think it's going to be based all in the running game. They want to get that going. I like what Brad Davis and, and, and Brian Kelly have done so far in, in reference to scheme, but I think they don't have a choice. I mean, what are you going to do, put Jack Mashburn in routes? I mean, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't think that they're going to do that. You think the biggest difference that um, Brian Kelly notices is from Notre Dame to LSU are the skill position people? He always had good defenses, right? But is it the skill position that he's going, wow, opened up opened up his eyes a little bit? Or what do you think? Yeah, I think that you can say that the skill positions are a lot better. I, I even think the secondary has gotten a lot better over the last, you know, six months since he's been here. Mm-hmm. Um, with guys like Makai Garner and Seven Banks and Bernard Converse and others. Um, but yeah, I mean you can't you can't deny the fact that it's a skill position that they're they're really good and but once you gain something, you take something away. You know, Brian Kelly uh, was really known for having a really good offensive line. And, and Jordy, I don't know what we, we don't know. We don't know with this squad. You know, I right. think Will Campbell, although extremely talented, I mean, you're, you're having to start him out of necessity, not out of the talent necessarily. You know, I think that talent-wise he could work himself way in there. But you don't have a starting left tackle. And quite honestly – Right now, you don't have a starting right tackle that I think that they feel comfortable with. So um, you give and take with both. But I, I, I think I, I think the defensive line is where he's changing, um, or, or where he looks like you know, good gosh, what have I gotten myself into here? Because I think that you have five guys that can be day one draft eligible dudes, and that starts with obviously the three that Mel Kiper has, and Quaylen Roy, Mason Smith next year, and B.J. Ojolari. Uh, mm-hmm. Those three guys are obviously the three that you that you know for a fact that you can get into that top fifteen to twenty mold in the in the first round of the NFL draft. Is Blake Rafino the Are You Serious podcast? The, the player I'm most intrigued about um, is, and he came in with such fanfare, and he's had his trials and his tribulations. And you know, I'm going to John Emery Jr. How important is it for this team's success for John Emery to finally live up to the reputation and become that? that dude at the running back position? I think it's extremely vital because even though you have Miles Brennan, who's been here for what seems like forever now, um, the the problem with that, though, Jordy, is he doesn't have over 200 attempts, right? Like, yeah, he's been here for a long time, but he doesn't have a lot of in-game SEC experience, right? He has the three starts, but really and truthfully, that's not a lot um, when you really look into it. So, the best way, and say it is Garrett Nussmeyer or Jane Daniels, those guys still don't have a whole heck of a lot of experience. Jane Daniels obviously being the one with the most, considering, but not just not SEC experience. So the best way to, to calm down your quarterback is obviously a really, really good running game. You know, for example, for LSU fans, you saw that in 18 with Joe Burrow when, when Nick Brissett and Clyde Edwards-Alaire went off against Miami, and they went off against Georgia. So mm-hmm. when you're able to have a really good running game, you're able to, you know, take your, let your quarterback just take a deep breath. And, and quite honestly, Jordy, I think it's a big problem that you saw last season with, with Max Johnson. You know, his QBR rating, people don't talk about 
went up when LSU started running the football. He was actually an extremely efficient quarterback. Once he started getting a, a semblance of a running game, he went up 102 points in the QBR and actually was second behind Bryce Young in that time frame of that last six weeks. So I, I think any young quarterback needs a solid running game so they can get things going. Who else is back there in that in that running back room that you think they can count on? Well, I think Trey Bradford kind of started turning some eyes. You know, in the in the spring game, he was breaking tackles against defensive linemen and some really talented, obviously linebackers that we've seen. Um, and he's you know he's put on some weight around the one ninety five mold, but he's 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 kind of just very difficult to bring down. And then you got. Noah Kane, you got to see what Noah can can, can bring yeah. to you. I yeah. think Noah can give you, if you absolutely needed him to, he can give you 25 carries in a game if, <laughs> if push came up. So um, I don't think that they know anybody, Jordy. Really, if you really if you really look into it, that they know that they can absolutely, without a shadow of a doubt, yeah. on that offense count on outside of Kayshawn Booty. Uh, yeah, I'm with you. Um... Who's the wide receiver that takes the top off the defense? Who's the fast guy? We got Butte who can, you know, the the seam routes and all that kind of stuff and Besh uh, underneath catches everything. But who is the guy that, okay, we need it. We need a home run hitter. Who is he? Well, I think that that's Chris Hilton, literally the fastest guy for through the test uh, on the team. You know, Jordy, quite honestly, uh, Chris Hilton, and I hate to use him because he's been in, in and out of the news, but um, Henry Ruggs is a guy that Chris Hilton, when it comes to if you okay. did a blind comparison on from a statistical standpoint, time, shuttle, hurdle, whatever it may be, they're actually identical, like literally the same when they tested. And I know that Chris Hilton posted it on Twitter. Um, but if if you need a guy that can go and just take the top off, it's obviously Chris Hilton. And, and look, I mean, you got some unofficial and official times that Chris Hilton run a four-three flat, Jordy. So that would make him probably, if not the yeah. fastest guy on the team, the fastest. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, are you confident uh, that this secondary with so many uh, pieces coming from so many different places? Do you think that they can blend and, and get the chemistry that you need to be able to be an efficient uh, part of a defense? Because they got. That's the one, but everybody's new. Everybody's different, it seems like. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, it would be different if all these guys weren't seniors, but considering yeah. the fact that they are, uh, hey, Jordy, you have you're literally your defensive backroom is nothing but seniors. The starters at the current moment are nothing but seniors. Okay. Um, you know, I'll use, a, and I know use this as a transit property in sports, but I'll give an example of teams and people that have had uh, different success. You look at Michigan State, who did something of the same, and you know you even right. go into other sports. And you look at Texas A&M, who's in the College World Series. Georgia, they got nine new position players, nine, That's true. and they're in the That's College true. World Series. I think this yep. is something that we're going to have to see with the transfer portal, how it just legitimately changes your entire team. And let's be honest, they were the worst unit last year, even with yep. Eric Stingley, Elias Ricks. They were the worst unit last year, but when you get that much. Experience. There's not a lot of that those guys haven't seen, so I, I, I'm starting to get a little bit of favorable from them if they can stay healthy. Right, makes sense. All right, uh, Blake Rafino, I'm glad you're healthy and uh, and doing well. It's always uh, fun to get back with you. Hope you had a great Dad's Day, did you? Yeah, I had a great Dad's Day. Uh, fantastic Good. Father's Day. Got blessed with so many gifts. 
coming from That's the awesome. heavens. I'm hearing you. I hear you, brother. All right, man. Well, stay well, stay healthy. Thank you for your time. Uh, I greatly appreciate it. It's always fun talking to you on a Monday, man. Thanks. You too, Jordy. Have a good day. All right. You take care. Um, the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you will have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse at Cypress Bayou. Or how about a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House? Or why not a $25 gift certificate to Mabel's Kitchen? They all good. They're all great. But you can only score these great prizes by becoming a member of the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. It's free. It's simple. So go sign up today. We'll update the College World Series score with um, uh, the Auburn Tigers and the Stanford Cardinal and uh, a little birthday wish or two. And we'll wrap this bad boy up. This is the Jordy Heltberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are your home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets, 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, you just can't shop right at all. We're in the bottom of the eighth now. The Auburn Tigers added two runs in the seventh, so they lead Stanford in an elimination game 6-2. to two. Uh, Stanford with six outs remaining, uh, actually five outs remaining, as there's one out now in the bottom of the eighth. So Auburn keeping the SEC alive and well at this point and time. So we'll see. And, of course, tonight, uh, Mike Bianco and the Ole Miss Rebels will take on Coach Van Horn and the Arkansas Razorbacks. Um, Arkansas been there a long time, never won one. Ole Miss about to fire their coach midseason, and now he's here, and they're talking about a contract extension. It's a it's a fine, fine, fine line. I would like to thank our guest today, Glenn West of uh, Go247 Sports, Alex Myers of Golf Digest, and Blake Rafino of the Are You Serious podcast. Tomorrow, um, don't know yet. Uh, we'll, um, the NBA draft is coming up. We'll uh, maybe preview a little bit of that. Of course, Bob Rose will stop by for the Saints News Network, and uh, we'll, we'll talk more about this Saints ball club, I think they're going to be a lot better than people give them credit. And I think Jameis Winston will be just fine. The key, Michael Thomas, has to be healthy, and they got to get that offensive line set. Offensive line set. Uh, I think defense will be there, and the kicking game is going to be there. Um, they just got to find quality depth, and uh, they got to keep that offensive line going. So um, we'll, we'll talk about that with Bob Rose. Uh, if today is your birthday, June 20th. Well, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You share with two pretty good LSU Tigers from the past. You won a national championship for Les Miles. Uh, Matt Flynn, 37 years young, had the best job in football. He held that clipboard. He, he got in one game for the Packers. He parlayed that into a 
a great contract with Seattle, and then they, they get Russell Wilson. He holds a clipboard, and, man, he is uh, healthy, wealthy, and wise. And then I think one of the greatest point guards to ever play for LSU, and I got to see him up close and personal. We were in the backcourt together. Um, Ethan Martin, called him Huck. Huck is 63 years young today, uh, and he's a really good golfer now. He loves to play golf. He was a great, great point guard, so smart. Uh, quick, quick hands. He was really, really terrific. So happy birthday, Huck. Thanks to all of you for listening in. Thanks to our partners making it possible each and every day. James, thank you as well. Come on back tomorrow, same time, same stations. Until then, I'm Jordy Helpert. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Believe me, it's the best thing. Uh, let's be kind to one another and uh, let's be happy. So long, everybody. 